follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. And gentlemen, we're here to get mega. How are you doing? Doing good. I am doing well. Uh, That was a god-awful lead-in, but I'm going to stand by it. Um, We want to thank you all for joining us for this episode. Our series on the Mega Powers continues. First things we want to do. We want to remind you that we are affiliates with Collar and Elbow. Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, <clears throat> started by wrestlers and wrestling fans for wrestlers, fans, high quality gear, tasteful designs. Podcast that's the number four capital C and corner capital P and podcast with no spaces. You can get ten percent off your order from Collar and Elbow. We can't recommend them enough. Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, and um, we have a mega shout out that needs to happen, isn't it, Matt? That's right. The mega shout-out goes to one Epico Cologne. He is the true mega power of the universe. Brother. So <laughs> We gotta give him credit for showing the restraint he, show, he shows, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, no sir. Size there. No jealous size there. None no, at, not at all. Alright, so as so, we were kind of talking, we're going back into the mega powers. We're continuing yep. on from last week. So, if you have not listened to last week's episode, go listen to that first. But if you just want to listen to this one, we pretty much covered uh, March of 1987 to October. That pretty much deals with Randy Savage losing the Intercontinental title and how he kind of gets in a feud with the Honky Tonk Man, turns face, and ultimately befriends Hulk Hogan, and the Mega Powers are born. Now, if you are listening to these shows and you want your feedback read on the final episode, reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear your feedback. Um, And we will be sharing it. Go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. I was going to say, yep, just share it with us and we will read it on the air. Absolutely. We've got the social media platforms. We talk about that in, uh, you know, we have our plug in every episode, so we'd love to hear from you. And, um, you know, let us know what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Which side do you come down on? All that good stuff. So, the Mega Powers. We saw the Mega Powers unite. Now, we see the Mega Powers rise. Yep. So, um, the 80s are a little different. So, they, they kind of did this formation, and then they kind of went their separate ways. Randy Savage continued um, feuding with the Honky Tonk Man, and then um, on the Hulk Hogan front, we got this new concept, and I believe this is actually one of Matt's favorite concepts, uh, according to a couple of shows ago, mm-hmm. 1987 births the Survivor Series. Yes, one of my absolute favorite matches of all time. Not just any specific match, but like the concept of the match. I love it. Yeah. I don't know why. It's actually kind of simplistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to like, I mean, there can be like really elaborate gimmick matches out there, but uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel it's because like in the early nineties when I was kind of, wa- I got into wrestling and I, I was watching like the old WWF shows. Uh, and I, I would get like the, the tapes from it. I didn't even have, it wasn't even like blockbuster right back in like the early to mid nineties. It was just kind of like local video stores here. Yep. They had the Coliseum home videos. Like it was, I would get like a survivor series. And back then it wasn't just like one survivor series match. It was like the entire show was survivor series elimination tag matches. 
Uh, and I loved it. I like just fell in love with the concept. I thought it was just like so cool that you could have like this these teams of uh, faces or heels who didn't ordinarily like have an association, just teaming up and then actually competing against each other. And they they got it. They were really fun matches sometimes, and they'd have like the wacky team names. Um, <laughs> this uh, this was like a little too early for that. It yeah. didn't quite get to like the silliness, but I still loved it because you would have some of like the top faces against the top heels, and it was just really cool. So yeah, one of my favorite uh, gimmicks of all time, and we saw some of it here. I, I think I, I I totally agree with what you say. Like seeing the different personalities having to coexist in a team setting, and maybe getting like this is where you could really kind of get those weird matchups, like this mid Carter that you wouldn't see Russell Hogan might get in the ring with him. Mm-hmm. I like the the thing that I really like about the Survivor Series is that you have an opportunity for everybody in the match to have their moment to shine. And you even if, if it's somebody who, you know, that mid-carter getting in the ring with Hogan, you know, you can do a lot of stuff with that. You can have it be like, I know he's Hogan, but, you know, damn it, doesn't matter. I'm stepping up. Or it could be, you know, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to be in here with this guy. But every time I go to tag somebody, they all hop off the apron. What am I going to do? You have this opportunity for all these guys to show something in a big way. And it's, at least to me, it's a really good example of someone <coughs> showcasing their talent and maybe, maybe getting an opportunity to progress based out of what they show there if the crowd connects to it. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I, I love the opportunities that happen in it. And the Survivor Series birthed probably the greatest WWE creation of all time. Oh, no, you're not. No, not The Undertaker, Shad. No, no, you're not. Yes. No. And it also features Mean Gene dancing. No. Uh, yes, the gobbledygooker. No. Oh, God. And it should be noted, I don't know how long it stuck to this, but like I think the first like six-ish years, this was a show that was on Thanksgiving night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, I've heard the story that the... I don't think that there's a whole lot of credence to the story, but supposedly there had been a story that that was going to be Mark Callis' gimmick. Or Mark Calloway's gimmick was to be the egg man that popped out of the egg. But from what everything I've heard about the the rise of the undertaker and the the gimmick and that sort of stuff ah i'm not buying oh i thought you were going to talk about how this concept was born out of like fucking with starcade and like this was like a big um kind of wrangling back and forth to block people out of pay-per-view and stuff oh yeah that too (laughs) but um the um you know, they teased the egg thing for, for weeks beforehand. And and then all of a sudden they roll out this egg at Survivor Series. And we have what's arguably the lowest point of Hector Guerrero's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to no real, you know, end. It just, there's no, no point. It just kind of happened. Right? Yeah. It's like, uh, also, what was the what was the point of the gobbledygooker? I don't know because he shows up on TV for a little bit afterwards and like promos and stuff, but I don't know. I'll have to dig up my observers from around then and see if Dave knows anything. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is it didn't end up going anywhere. Um, it, was, it was, um, I guess the red rooster had sex with some giant chicken and this is what happened. What? Oh, God. Interesting bit of trivia. Um, the Undertaker for this, and I think the first set of TV tapings was known as Kane the Undertaker. That was That's the original. True. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we go into this. So this one has a bit of a surprise as Bobby Heenan comes out. So the teams are, um, his team has Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and Rick Rude, Captain by... The returning Andre the Giant. Yes, Andre the Giant really hadn't wrestled since Mania. He had made a couple of TV appearances. He actually had a promo on the um, 
Saturday night's main event we watched from May of 87. But that's yep. really about all we saw of him. Yeah, he was gone for a while. Yeah. So then Hogan comes out. Hogan is uh, captaining a team with Bam Bam Bigelow, Don Morocco, Ken Patera, and Paul Orndorff. So this kind of comes down to um, Hogan gets counted out by... um, He's pretty much beating up King Kong Bundy on the outside and gets counted out. And then it gets down to Bam Bam Bigelow and Andre... They have an interesting actually kind of exchange because it's kind of Bam Bam Bigelow doing some agility stuff to avoid Andre. Then Andre pretty much hip tosses him because that seems to be his finish. It's kind of this weird double underhook, quote unquote, suplexy thing. Yeah. 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 It, can, it's always sloppy as hell. You can, re- you can really tell in these, though, um, that Andre's really like slowing down. Like yeah, he's... you could tell. Yeah, and some of the other stuff we saw <laughs> uh, with this episode we're going to talk about tonight, it was kind of clear how he was the decline was starting. Yeah, even more so than like if you watch the Mania three match, like you can tell like he's really limited, but here it's like way worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's really kind of painful to watch because, like, if, especially if you compare to um what we saw a few episodes back with in his match with Hansen and how capable he was at that point to see what you know how how sharp the decline was yeah as a as an aside like this was almost like a a star making performance by Bam Bam oh, and yeah. then and then he was like out of the company or they weren't doing anything with him yeah. Like, after this, which is sad. He was around for he was in um he was in the WrestleMania tournament. That's true. Yeah. I do, uh, do you that. do you guys remember th- this is like really going back? I was it like the first WWF NES game? He was in that. Yeah, he was. It was him. Oh, was... I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I my uh. My neighbor's grandson, like, had that game. And that game he would, sucks, by the way. It was terrible. <laughs> but when he, when he would like come visit uh, his grandfather, and he like this kid was like the same age as me, so we were like friends. Uh, and he would come over and visit more like in the summer, but usually like once a month at least. Uh, he would come over and, and visit, and he would like bring that game, mm-hmm. and like we would. Well, he he rarely let me play it, which I was bitter about. But right. <laughs> I could watch him play it, and I was always like fascinated. Hey, he was a good friend, man. He kept you from playing that. <laughs> that's that's taking a bullet right there. It's a it's awful because like then they're like little symbols come around, and that's supposed to help you. I don't remember. I I just know that game's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I think I played it. We, look, we're comparing that to to an all time classic known as. Pro wrestling on the NES. Yes, we, pro- you, you can't. There will come a day where we're going to do a podcast on pro wrestling and why the Amazon is a cheating bitch that should be yeah. banned from wrestling. So <laughs> I'm still bitter about that guy biting me. <laughs> I love the Amazon. I was, Amazon I was a Starman um, guy. Amazon oh, Starman star and. Um, what was it? Bronze Panther? No, um, Giant Panther. No, well, yeah, I don't remember. I'm trying to think of the guy who did the like the brain kick, like that would do the Enziguri kick to your head. Oh, that was that was Fighter Hayabusa. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. That was that was straight up Inoki. But um, the guy that did the claw was I think Giant Panther maybe. I think it was Bronze Panther because he was all like Hogan bronzed up. But yeah, I remember him doing the claw. He was more uh, of like he wrestled more like a Von Eric though. Yeah, but uh, and King Slender was more like Ric Flair. When we uh, when we actually have this conversation, this this podcast episode, remind er, put a pin on this. We have to talk about WWF WrestleFest, the arcade game. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> did you guys ever play that? Played that. Uh, yeah, I did. The I only place a, uh-huh. I have a I have a. I have like a mini arcade cabinet and WrestleFest is on here. Oh my God. I would love that. 
Uh, I the I only ever played this because there was a bowling alley that was like a mile away from my house, and I like for some reason my parents never took me there, even though it's like this would have been an easy activity for me <laughs> as a young child. But yeah, uh, they had that because you know, like you, if you would go to like the bowling uh, alley, like they would have like at least like the, the, the 90s, yeah, like the 90s, they would have like a mini arcade. You know, it was never more than like a handful of like arcade games, but they had that. Yeah, and I was obsessed with it. Because I could play as like demolition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're, we're <laughs> now we're like just talking about video games. Uh, Survivor Series. Survivor Series is a great is a great gimmick, and yeah, the last time that I saw it used well was that run of um, <clears throat> where uh, where Dolph Ziggler ended up winning the Survivor Series. And they proceeded to piss it away by not doing anything with it. Now, remember that they was did really the, frustrating. They did the, if the authority loses the match, the authority has to disband, and then they brought the authority back two weeks later. What, because they like held a gun to John Cena's dad's head or something? I can't remember exactly. It was but, something stupid like that. Yeah, but it, 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 never, um, it never went anywhere. That was the frustrating part. It's like, they... Ziggler was super hot at the time, and they just pissed it away. Yeah. So, anyway, so, so this, uh, so this is Andre wins, um, mm-hmm. and then Hogan kind of comes in and you know chases him off, and then they, he does like the posing with the belt and stuff. So this kind of kicks off the reignition of Hogan versus Andre. This time, Andre is a much meaner version of andre though he's much more embraced like the heel role instead of being kind of the more um stoic heel that he was back in the winter Mm -hmm. so then we move on to saturday night's main event this one i think is from january 1st 1988 so hogan is having a match with king kong bundy and andre the giant attacks him and this angle i mean this makes andre look like an absolute monster because they they have all these like faces run out and try and like pull them off and not like jobbers like name guys. And even yeah. like Hacksaw Jim Duggan comes out and starts hitting him with the two by four. Which he they... completely no sells. Yes. Yeah. It did. It made him look like a monster. And you're right, like the face locker room just emptied. And none of them could stop him. Like they were trying to like pull him off and he was just like choking the life out of Hogan. Yep. And like this was this was like I don't, I don't know what you were thinking about when I was watching. But I was like, what? I was sitting here watching this, and I've seen this before. I was like, I was like, wow, this is this is good. I okay, just just ding me for this. I was just sitting here thinking, <laughs> this is this is some good shit right here. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. We also get our meme cred filled in for the yes. evening. Too. But he he looks like he looks like an absolute monster, like a monster among monsters. And it helps that they were using guys like Jake and Hacksaw and like Strike Force. Like they were using name talent to try and do this instead of job guys. The attack, uh, no, it was, it was tremendous. Like this is another one of those things that, again, it was good to actually be watching some of this older stuff because I don't know. I mean, I. I was a kid, and again, I was I was too young. I didn't even start watching wrestling at this point, so I didn't even really just like Coliseum Home Video, and they didn't really show this sort of thing. I, I did shoot one thing out of order here. Um, the Ted DiBiase and Andre promo comes up next, where they pretty much tell you what their plan is, which is Ted DiBiase bought Andre's contract. And he's pretty much paying Andre to win the title and then hand it over to him. This was a great promo because DiBiase was so good. Like he clearly like he understood his gimmick so well. I agree. And I I liked Andre here because Andre like like I said, you're getting the meaner Andre where he's just pretty much like I'm just going to squeeze the life out of Hogan and win the title. Yeah, he said that. He's like, oh, Hogan. When I, I say that I would put my hands around your throat and I'm going to squeeze and I'm not going to let go. And it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Andre's not like playing for keeps now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, because you had Andre take on Hogan, and yeah, as a heel, but not like full on vicious. And now he's pissed off about losing that, and so he's he's coming back angry again. And I agree, DiBiase is so good at that gimmick. There was something yeah. I think I think Jesse said in one of these. I don't remember which one. I should have notated, but Jesse. Said, I think during the Survivor Series match that Andre was absolutely haunted by losing to Hogan at WrestleMania 3. And That's a really, good way of putting it. And it really kind of colors this, like, with him being, like, meaner and much more, like, no nonsense about it instead of kind of being, like, look, I'm just doing this for the title, but I'm still, like, kind of still going to be a good guy about it, so... I actually felt that they conveyed that really well with the, some of the promos. Like you got that, like you, you, you got that Andre didn't care. He obviously, he didn't even care about the title. He just wanted to get back at Hogan. Yeah. And I thought they did a really good job of conveying that. Like, I actually think that that was a point that they got across really well. Like not even with the Jesse commentary, just with the promos, like Andre's like intensity and, and just fierceness. Yeah, and I think I think actually the the main event match which we're going to get into next like there even Hogan played off that because Hogan played that much more desperate I think than um than the WrestleMania match. Like you definitely felt like yeah. Hogan felt very threatened by him. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, there's there's a certain amount of you know, now that they're more for keeps, it's 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 scarier and and you know, Andre being meaner. And and Hogan was going for much like bigger, like he was going to the top rope. I think he even hit like a top rope clothesline on Andre at one point. I saw yeah. that. That was, that was actually amazing. He did yeah. a second rope lariat to Andre. And he went for one earlier and Andre like tossed him and it kind of almost blew up in his face. So this match, um, I don't think it had the same charm as Mania, but there was a definite, like, there was some good storytelling here. It was pretty much Hogan, like, just desperately trying to, like, hold on. Yeah. I'm kind of clipping, clicking through the match as we go right now. And I saw the, uh, I saw that, that, that flying lariat you were talking about. You know, he, he hits that lariat and then he's going to go for the, the leg drop. But, uh, it's, it's, I, look, I'm I'm far from a big Hogan fan, but I will admit Hogan he was able to work. I just as a person and how he treats people that's that's the thing that always that's the thing that's really put me off on him and really frustrated me. So, but you know he could do some good stuff when when it, it you know when it called for it, and this was one of those cases. He had to do big stuff to sell the angle. So this this uh, Hogan hits the leg drop, has Andre pinned, but the referee is busy with Ted DiBiase. Uh, Hogan gets up, gets involved with that. Andre comes up behind him, headbutts him in the back of the head a couple times. Uh, that double underhook hip toss thing. Ho- the referee goes down to count. Hogan obviously gets his shoulder up, and the referee ignores it. Mm-hmm. And boom. Four years as WWE champion is over. Andre the Giant is your new WWF heavyweight champion. And then, uh, well, there was some screwiness that happened even after that. But uh, one thing I did note was that uh, they did a really good job of setting up the camera to see that, where it was clear that Hogan had his, his shoulder up. But... I just kept thinking, like, if you if you weren't if you're like in the in the audience there and you didn't see that, uh, you would think that Hogan was like the biggest sore loser on the planet because he just starts whining and complaining <laughs> to the ref. Well, uh, Hogan did something good there, and when he did his kick out, he had both of his hands up in the air, so you yeah. can barely clearly see one of them higher than the other to try and convey that to uh, <clears throat> try and convey that to the crowd. So that's and and Andre Andre also refers to being as the WWF tag champion in the little promo he does with Mean Gene. What I also like though was um, the referee. Well, it's one of the Hebners. I don't know which one it's supposed to be, but he the 
that long walk of doom where he takes the belt and you see him walking it over to Andre and giving it to him. Yeah. And then Finkel does like the the announcement and like the way the announcers are reacting, you can tell like there's a finality because Finkel's like doing the Yeah. Your oh, new Oh no WWF champion. And then Andre puts it on his shoulder for a couple minutes. By the way, this is the um the wing belt, the eagle belt, which pretty much debuted around then because if you watch the main event, Hogan still has the old belt. So this is the the Eagle Belt making its maj- yeah, having is, its majestic start. Right. This is the big debut for it. So then Andre keeps it on his shoulder for a couple minutes and then he hands it on over to Ted DiBiase who puts it around his waist. Mm-hmm. It's shocking oh, how small the, I, saw, I saw into the title to Ted DiBiase. <laughs> it's shocking how small that title looks on Andre's shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah. It's okay. it looks like if you like if you've seen the toy wrestling belts that they make for like ten year old boys, yeah, uh, in uh, you know in the toy section of your local like Walmart or Target or whatever, like that's what it looks like. It looks like a toy. Yeah, it and does. Then, um, the other Hebner comes out, and there's some arguing. The evil Hebner punches out good Hebner, and then Hogan like takes out his frustrations on him. We go to the back with Mean Gene. Hogan's almost in tears and mentions there might have been plastic surgery involved. Oh, <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> I love Jesse in this, too, because when Hogan was, like, manhandling the Hebners, Jesse was, like, apoplectic. He was just like, yeah. you can't manhandle the refs, Vince. You can't lay your hands on a on an official. I hope Jack Tunney finds him. <laughs> so then we, um, I actually dug this up. This is, um, this is like a local bumper, but this is from, I think the Boston feed. Cause I, I'm pretty sure it was a Boston garden show. It's actually a promo with Ted DiBiase with the belt. That's, that is a rare find. That is absolutely a rare find to have. I actually found a match with him billed as the WWF champion, but um, it wasn't really relevant to this, so I didn't include it. You know, it's something that I wish would have happened. I know that... What happened is this was a test run for him as champion, and it did not do well. That's why they changed it up to go with the tournament. Well, even even if it... With the tournament stuff... um, I wish that DiBiase could have had another opportunity to run with the uh, with the title later on. Like I know he says, well, you know, we get, uh, you know, I made more money with the million dollar belt and all that kind of stuff. But I, I still would have wanted to see that. That's that's kind of thing. I, that's what I wanted to see it because they're just. Who, who reached that pinnacle. And, you know, he was so good, and Piper was so good. I just, I kind of wanted to see that be acknowledged. Now, so this is an adult looking back, but still. Matt, what do you think? Um, do you like, do you like the black and yellow suit DiBiase, or do you like the, the gray and pink we're seeing in this run? Because I kind of like the gray and pink. I like the gray and pink. I, I guess the black is, like, more iconic yeah but i did like the the crayon pink i was a huge dibiase fan i still am i thought he was an amazing heel and i'm kind of with you shad like i would have liked to see him have like a a run with the belt uh obviously he would have been transitional like they this during this in the late 80s uh early 90s uh actually most of the 90s it was very much the face is the the champion yeah. yeah, Triple H is kind of when they broke away from that. Well, well now, now, now it's like the the other extreme almost, yeah. where it's like you have the heel as the champion, and you have I, I, ostensibly to have the face chase him. Yeah. Then they screw yeah. it all up by having the face never win. <laughs> so yeah, there you're you're absolutely. It's the the old NWA formula is you have a heelist champion, and you have people chase him and chase him, and the baby face wins, does win out in the end. But then another heel comes along and takes it away so that yeah. you can do the chase over again. Because, as Spock once taught us, 
the act of wanting something is sometimes more pleasurable than having it. And it draws more money to have someone chasing after it because maybe just maybe you can see that, that come up and you can see that blow off. Okay, so final word, Chad. What do you think? Ted DiBiase with the black and yellow suit or the gray and pink look? I'm I'm a fan of the black and gold. I like the contrast, the kind of pseudo tuxedo look. I, I just I just prefer that one. Um, okay, I know I'm so, outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So next we go to, and I thought this next segment's actually really brilliant the way they did this. So this is Jack Tunney pretty much announcing the WrestleMania Four tournament and yeah. vacating the belt. And what I love about this is the way he describes like the ways the belt can change hands and where it wasn't legal what they did. So he pretty much explains the belt can only change hands on a disqualification or a pinfall. No, on a on a submission or pinfall. Like you cannot give the belt to someone and but the champion can publicly surrender the belt at any time, so the belt is now vacant. And this is what we're doing. That was a very intelligent way of doing it. Really, I felt ineffective management by President Jack Tunney. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasing no one with this decision. He went through like a long explanation like, Hogan's not the champ because the referee's decision is final. But Andre's not the champ and DiBiase isn't the champ. It's like, oh my goodness, Jack Tunney. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Now, I will note the, the tournament brackets changed between this announcement and WrestleMania. But I can't remember how. Um, you know, guys, I, I'm going to interrupt you. We don't talk about politics on this show. A lot of people want to say that the worst president is this person or that person. To me, the worst president was Jack Tunney. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hill I will die on. <laughs> um. I I got to say that I I like this because I like tournaments in wrestling. You get so many opportunities to do things with people. You can tell so many different stories and you can find a way to to do runs with new people and build the either build them up or see how the crowd's reacting if they're really catching on, you can push them a little more and that sort of stuff. Um I love tournaments as as a uh, a booking method uh, I, I think don't they're this tournament well i like the concept of tournaments we'll put it that way i like the g1 the g1's awesome okay i'm sorry we uh, i'm i'm jumping in i'll tell this story real quick mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my sister-in-law my brother's wife hit me up one day and said hey i have a friend cuz she is a uh, a literature professor and she said i have a friend who's been doing a lot of writing and she has uh, an opportunity to join the writing staff for this wrestling company called TNA Impact. Have you heard of them? And I went, mm-hmm. And she said, but she's not a – they want, like, a sample on how they can they can do this. Can you help her? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And so my, my immediate thing was we're going to find it. I went and looked up everything, like who's on the roster and everything – and then I, I'll admit I was kind of doing some fantasy booking to help someone get a job, but I wrote out an entire tournament bracket with the purposes laid out of this is why we're doing this, and this is why we're doing this, and this is what we're doing, and we're doing this to kind of rehab this person, and we're doing it to put this person over, and that sort of stuff. And I sent it to her, and it never went anywhere, but uh, but that, that, was, that was the closest uh, brush of fame I've ever had to booking. That's interesting. You probably, did she actually interview or did that just like she never was, even got that far? I, I don't don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was actually kind of proud of. OK. So next anyway. we go to next we go to um, this was just kind of something stupid I found. So I put it in here just because um, this is Ted DiBiase, Virgil and Andre the Giant on CBS this morning in the lead up to Mania. And they actually do a really good job of, like, describing this angle in detail that anyone could, like, understand what was going on. But my favorite part is the host, and I don't know who she was, is like, does he talk, like, pointing to Virgil and Ted DiBiase's only, like, <laughs> only if I say he can? 
this was a really like almost surreal interview because it was played so straight because it's back in the kayfabe days yeah um but dibiase was really good at this he's just kind of like calmly <laughs> explaining like yeah of course i bought andre's contract and you know i bought the title off him and it was like matter of fact it was like it was weird and the the host is just asking these questions well, I, I don't know. The, it, it was it, I, it was interesting. Uh-huh. I liked how he predated that and even talked about like trying to buy the title from Hogan and then why he did like the stuff after that. Like, it's yeah, something, it's something like it. It's sad that like having like him just go through it and like his motivation the whole way is such a blow away thing. Like when you're used to watching like the modern product, it's just like, oh, my God, like this is this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it. It was it was very well done. He handled it himself, and it was you know, it was easy to follow. It wasn't too complicated. And then the host did some cutesy stuff with like Andre, like comparing like hand size and then standing up like next to him and stuff. Pretty typical, I think. And they mentioned that they tried to get Hogan on this, but he would not come on the show. Hmm. Okay. But it was funny seeing them like kayfabe something on like a legitimate program. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. So now we get to the big moment, which is WrestleMania for the finals of the tournament. Randy Savage was Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. um, Savage had gone through Butch Reed. Um, Who else did he beat? He beat Greg Valentine and One Man Gang, I think. Does that sound right? Yes. And then Ted DiBiase had beaten Duggan, and then he got a bye for beating for the Hogan-Andre thing, and then I don't remember who else he beat. I think he beat Morocco. Okay. That so we're, we're, we're going in with, with DiBiase basically being one match fresher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Andre comes down to ringside because I believe Virgil had gotten taken out at some point. I think during the Duggan match. Okay. So pretty much the match is them going back and forth and Andre keeps screwing around with um, Hogan. And then something happens. Do you remember what happened that made Miss Elizabeth go to the back? I don't know. No, I don't recall. So she goes to the back and then um, the crowd is chanting Hogan a lot during this because they want Hogan to come out to equalize things. And Gorilla and Jesse actually are like, hey, we saw her do this before. Like they're calling back to something that happened in October and they're like in March or April for this. So Miss Elizabeth comes back out and she's leading Hogan out. The crowd goes crazy and Hogan like basically... Grabs a chair and sits down on the other side of the ring to equalize things. So we keep going through the match. Andre, like, interferes. Hogan, you know, attacks him. And then Ted DiBiase gets Savage in the the Million Dollar Dream. I think they just called it a Cobra Clutch right now. Okay. And um, so he's going for the rope, and Andre actually pulls the rope away from him. And the referee admonishes him, and Hogan just comes in and nails DiBiase with a chair, and Savage hits the elbow, wins the title, and um, now we kick off the next great leg of this. I will say, my big surprise here, and I didn't remember this correctly, is Hogan actually was very subdued in the win to this. He actually did not steal Savage's spotlight like I thought he was going to. Yeah, yeah, because that's a big concern. I mean, it's it's kind of Hogan's. That's one. That's something Hogan's really good about doing. But he was very he's very good about it being about Savage's moment. I don't know. Did you see it the same way, Matt? Yeah, I actually thought it was a little more understated for Hogan, which was kind of interesting. But I did like it. The match itself, I think, wasn't amazing. But I um. I like the way that they had Andre just kind of like that Andre corner was bad. Yeah. 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 
And I thought Gorilla and Jesse did a really good job on commentary during this. They they had always had some pretty good interplay, but yeah, they were they were doing really well here. And uh, Jesse was very upset at Hogan's interference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesse hated him so much. He did. Yeah. So not not as much as Heenan, but now. So now our 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 next our next set piece begins. We have our players in place. Savage has the belt. And Hogan has helped him achieve that. And we have Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant on the other side of things. So we go to a kind of a MSG promo. And it's pretty much just Randy Savage talking about um, a match he's going to have with Ted DiBiase. No, he's demanding a rematch, isn't he? Um, I don't remember. I think he's demanding a rematch here. This was just kind of to give you some flavor of like what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. So then we go to the 7th of May in 1988 and Randy Savage kind of comes out and cuts a promo on Ted DiBiase while he's in the ring. And where I thought this was noteworthy is I don't know if they foreshadowed this, but if you, if you watch this closely, he accuses Ted DiBiase of having jealous eyes for the championship belt. <laughs> which is a key phrase that i think most people remember from later on in this program yeah well it, it's savage um piper was a piper was very good about not repeating certain phrases but savage had some touch tones he'd like to come back to so it, it, it he didn't he didn't abandoned them until they kind of took on a certain big significance. Um, so it wasn't quite the same here as it was later. Now there's a, we'll get, we'll get to that in a little bit, but so the next up I did a Randy Savage versus Virgil match from around this time. It's pretty much, I would call it your standard TV match. I actually thought it was pretty good. There's a lot um, of shenanigans, but yeah, but it's just kind of more flavoring. Um, you know, Savage won, obviously, but there was a lot of outside stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. So now we get into, now we're getting into the, the SummerSlam build, and this is where kind of things start to really heat up. There's a Randy Savage promo from 723. It's pretty much your standard um, promo. Then we go to um, the next week, and Randy Savage kind of comes out and talks and Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant like come out, and this is just an extended like beating. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think what DiBiase kind of launches Savage into Andre's hands. I think. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the the nice touch they had at the end of this is like when they kind of just like pick him up and they chuck him back on the platform at Miss Elizabeth's at, feet. Yeah, at Liz's feet, that, which was like I thought a really really cool like little bit because it's just like he, they beat the hell out of her man and then are just yeah. throwing his like carcass basically at her feet. Yeah, it's no, like such good heel work. It is, it, and it like the. There's so many little touches to these things that I wish that more attention would be paid to now because it was like a great little like touch to it. Now, in there, there's somewhere where they announce that this tag is going to happen and Jesse Ventura is going to be the manager. It happens around here and I saw it in the SummerSlam build, but I could not find this as its own thing. Mm -hmm. So it happens around here because next week we come out and Savage talks about this and he pretty much says, um, my partner is going to be Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan comes out. And I want to say, I tried to go into this feud objectively to not be like, Oh, Savage is right. And Hogan was wrong, but man, like Savage was right. Like Hogan, like Hogan was sniffing around with bad intentions from the start. <laughs> Because he pretty much, like, so starting here, like, he he gets on the Miss Elizabeth thing. Yeah. Um, I think he was, I think he was offering some wife swapping here or something. I don't know. Were you getting that vibe from him, Matt? <laughs> uh, 
I, I guess. Like, I don't know that I got that. <laughs> There's just comments he makes. Like, he won't let the Miss Elizabeth thing go, like, in any of these upcoming interviews. And, like, they're always, like... They're always, like, sweaty and oily, and it's just... I don't know. There's some... There's some weird shit going on, like, after this. <laughs> it... I didn't get a chance to go through all these, so I'm 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 gonna well, he, reserve. So he comes out and he pretty much says like I don't I should have written this down verbatim, but he pretty much says like I um I want Miss Elizabeth to be mine too, like pretty much talking about her being like the manager and signing all the contracts and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. But there's like there's like a certain like the way he says it. You kind of like if you if you're if you're thinking about it with what Savage says later, it's like it's like, you know what, like I kinda see like how he ultimately interpreted things a certain way. Oh yeah. Um the idea of um hang on, let me I wanna I wanna phrase this right. Even if Hogan was not doing what Savage was accusing him of doing, he phrased things in really the wrong way so that it was easy to see that be a well, thing. And the next promo from I- the next week, he, um, like, I think Miss Elizabeth, like, gives Macho Man, like, a little peck on the cheek, and Hogan tries to get a little sugar, too, which just kind of makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta put over the Hulkster, too, Elizabeth. And I, I want to say there is a there is a shift in the summer, and I, I'm sure Matt noticed it too, where they stopped using the WWF logo backdrop, like which is obviously just um, like a tarp, and they started doing like the the green screen, like their own like logo behind them for this stuff. I actually Matt, didn't really I, I didn't really notice that. I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Oh, okay. I don't doubt it, but And then and then now um eight fourteen I think is the one no there's one from eight okay, so then we go to I guess this is wrestling challenge next it's the next day. They pretty much come on the brother love show and chase him off. And I just want to say, I hate the brother love gimmick. <laughs> he he you don't shows love up him? for new no. <laughs> he shows up for two of these, and I just, I it just bugs me. I forgot how annoying it was. I was gonna say the the uh, aren't aren't you supposed to? Uh, I it, mean, aren't aren't you supposed to hate brother love? It annoys me in a way that has no entertainment value, though. I just don't want to watch it. Oh, okay. Okay. He's got um, Baron Corbin heat. Yes, I think me. we I think we can rename X Pac Heat now. So okay, but so Sorry. they they cut they cut like their they cut the promos they've been cutting, which is pretty good. I I actually like Hogan and Savage cutting promos together. Okay, yeah. Well, God, they were so dynamic in in their promos. So then, um, eight fourteen is up next, and. Um, Hogan said something about Miss Elizabeth and a kiss of doom, and they do this like awkward like zoom in on her with like this weird look on her face, <laughs> and I just cracked up. Okay. A lot of these are redundant because this is like TV. Now the next one is is a good one. So the Mega Bucks and Jesse. Well, so Jesse Ventura starts off on the Brother Love Show, and he's kind of talking about refing the match. And he's being heelish, but he's kind of, like, talking about, you know, almost being fair. And then Andre and Ted DiBiase come out. And Andre kind of, like, Andre kind of, like, shit talks him mm-hmm. and, like, grabs his, like, coat. And you can tell Jesse's really annoyed by this. And then Ted DiBiase comes up and starts talking. And pretty much the whole time he's talking, he's just shoving money in Jesse's pocket. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because he's just like slowly, like you know, he's like, he's pissed off at first for what Andre does, and then you slowly see him getting like less pissed off the more money's going. Yeah, his. just hundred dollar bills, several of them being slid into Jesse's lapel pocket. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was 
it was such everybody's a got a segment. price. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like line. taking him out of Virgil's hand, like. But like Virgil. Jesse's Jesse's really good in this because, like I said, <laughs> he really he really gets annoyed at like Andre. Like you're almost like, wow, like that's really dumb. Like he would probably be on your side, but you messed that up. And then. Ted like smooths it out and then Andre kind of like taps him on the shoulder like you know one of us mm-hmm yeah man it there's just a lot of really good character work going on there all at the same time and then um there was so we go to SummerSlam next so SummerSlam they do a nice recap of all this stuff and um we go out and this is a pretty decent tag, I think. I don't know. What did you think of the, mat, the match? Yeah, mat? I actually like this match. I remember this and, match back in the day. And Jesse wasn't as obnoxious as I thought he'd be. No. Because he was a little more fair than I thought. And then um, the big moment in this, and I think the mat, the moment that everyone remembers if they've ever seen this match, oh, is yes. Miss Elizabeth takes off her skirt and starts parading around. And... Um, Ted DiBiase, Andre, Jesse Ventura, and Bobby the Brain Heenan on the apron <laughs> are just staring at her dumbfounded for like a solid like three minutes while the Hogan and Savage like recover on the outside. And then the finishing sequence is really great because Hogan body slams DiBiase, um, Savage comes off the top rope with the elbow and then Hogan follows it up with a leg drop. Then pretty much Savage like throws Ventura to the ground. Ventura counts the two and then he has his hand up for the three and he doesn't want to put it down. And Savage just grabs his hand and like throws it on the mat. They win. Um, everyone's happy. Yeah, I love that. It's like, in, yeah, re- don't... in retrospect, it was super bizarre <laughs> and it had to have been from the, the feverish perverted mind of Vincent Kennedy McMahon jr. But uh, wait, Miss Elizabeth parading around in her underwear. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to make any further commentary. I could get, it was different than I remembered. I thought she just did it for like a minute and distracted them. Like I didn't realize it was her like walking back and forth on the apron. Blues like... because they're just gaping at a. Yeah. Blues because they're gaping at a woman in her underwear. Yeah. I mean, it was so out of character for Elizabeth to do. And they're you know just polexed by it. Yeah. I get well, they... that a little bit, but. And they've reiterated a lot in the stuff we've seen how little she actually gets involved in the matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a whole lot where she does. That's that's and, very true. And then with the post-victory celebration, like anything that involves their action, I scrutinize anything Hogan does in relation to Elizabeth. Um, this was mostly pretty innocent, I think. Yeah. But like I said, this this was actually um, this SummerSlam show is pretty good because this also has the Ultimate Warrior winning the Intercontinental title, and I thought this tag is actually, um, I would say it's a competent tag. Like it's a fun match. It is. It's got some good back and forth to it. Yeah, I mean, I also feel like this. My childhood is kind of colored by these type of like big matches because I would watch them when I was like a young wrestling fan and I would just love them. Like, I think I, I still think it's a good match, but I, I kind of am drawn back into that time when mm-hmm. I was just like fascinated by it. Cause it's, it's like the, your two biggest heels versus your two biggest faces. And I just loved it. Like I just, I still love these type of matches, even though like we, we, we already like kind of reviewed this, but <laughs> the, like the savage Zeus, Tag. Oh man, <laughs> it's terrible! Ooh, oh my god, it was bad. But it still was like I remember watching that, and it was like the spectacle when I was a kid. Like, still kind of fascinated me. Um, this is a far better match than that, but yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed it, and yeah, it was good. Like, but this was probably this is probably the heyday. This was the pinnacle of the mega powers because things from here were gonna go downhill. 
Yeah, and I I think like the con- having the context to these matches really like makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, because if you're doing it without the context, then you're missing out on on. Frankly, you're missing out on most of the story. You're missing out on a lot of the fun, and um, it's it's nice to be able to be. Oh, you know, this is this is what the story is. Here we go. We can we can run with it, and um, and and instead of just being and these guys are fighting for uh, reason. So I can't remember if we talked about this on last week's show or if we talked about it before the show last week. I know Matt wanted to revisit this at some point, but the fact that it can't just be the Mega Powers or as Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant, they have to be the Mega Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> they have to have that cutesy little name in there. Yeah. Yeah, slapping names on everything. Mm-hmm. I actually like the Mega Bucks as a name, though. It, it works as a counterpoint, I think. Uh, What's the weird thing with this, though? And I don't know if you noticed it, Matt, but did you notice how like there was no Bobby the Brain Heenan for a while, and like suddenly he was back? Yeah, I did notice that. And I can't, I couldn't figure out like where he came back into the picture, and like I couldn't find clips of it. Like I, I went looking for that because he was gone until like june or july but then i can't find like when he came back or any like mention of it hmm yeah i don't know i'm sure there was probably some actual legitimate reason why he was out yeah i think he it might be because i think he messed his neck up too he did have to have like i think surgery i don't know if it was around that time or not wait let me ask you a question was this anywhere near when he did that that program with Warrior and Warrior stuffed him in the weasel suit? Yes. Because uh, I did listen to a shoot interview with him. He said that Warrior hurt him by being careless in that stretch. Well, the weasel suit was like early 88, I think, when like Warrior was doing stuff with um, Hercules. Uh-huh. I think so. I could be wrong on that. Well, that it might have been that that's when it finally caught up with him or something. But um, I thought I'd I'd, uh, I'd I'd just bring that up. I'm, I'm thinking back to WrestleMania, and I don't remember Heenan being there either, like in any capacity. Okay. So that might that might be why he was gone then. Yeah, there's a good chance. That's all I got. That's the best idea I have for it. So should so I have a question for next week's show, guys. Should I track down a clip of the one man gang becoming a king, the African dream, please, in the back alley, please? <laughs> oh man! So like like we had to bid farewell last week. We have to bid farewell to Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant for the most part. I think their involvement with um hogan and savage is about done there might be a couple promos next week but i'm pretty sure this is the end for them i'm pre- i think the million dollar belt shows yeah, up shortly yeah. after this all right as the consolation for well we're not giving you the heavyweight title they still got a little bit more at least of dibiase because you had uh you had the survivor series match after this where he was mm-hmm. He he led a team against uh, Hogan and Savage. Andre was out of the picture by then. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah. Because this starts to so what so where we go from here for those of you who don't know this feud is we start to get into a feud with the Big Boss Man and Akeem, otherwise known as the One Man Gang, and this leads to their eventual downfall, which we will get into in our next episode. Yep. As we sadly call the fall of the Mega Powers. Tag on, I wanted to have a good good savage line for this, and I don't uh there's not a good one that I have to hand that uh without jumping ahead, so that's alright. That's alright. So next week we're gonna take you to um we're gonna take you from post SummerSlam nineteen eighty eight to WrestleMania five. Um, I'm going to look 
past WrestleMania 5 and see what I think about maybe taking us to Re- SummerSlam 89 because they still kind of feud past that. But um, I'm going to see how interesting that content is because the, the apex of it really is WrestleMania 5. But we might we might dig into a fourth episode and go into that stuff. Okay. And I also need to see how intense like the next the next leg of our journey is because it might take two episodes to get to WrestleMania five, but I'm not sure. Right. Um, it could be a little more of a trip than we originally remembered. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, we want to say thank you for being here with us and joining us. Um, we are, you know, we are going to continue on our mega powers journey and we hope you come back and visit us. Remember, to um, send us comments, we'll be reading comments once we get to the the end of the series. We'll be reading them on air. And um, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, brother. So we'll see you here next time. Ooh, yeah.